You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, good morning, church. We're going to get right in it this morning. Last week, the Lord presented a question to us. And I I haven't been able to shake it all week. This question of where in our lives are we preparing for him only to answer in part and not in full? Where in our lives are we expecting God to answer in part and not in full? Where are we planning for him to only answer in part and not in full? Where in our lives does he not own the fullness of our heart because we doubt that he can answer in fullness to what we're asking him to answer? what we're asking him for. We only think he can do it in part, so we're, we're trying to establish a way to make up some of the ground, right? We're not buying a house. We don't have to put a down payment on the faithfulness of God to receive it, right? The faithfulness of God is for us and to us, and he works in completeness. Look up on the screen as this comes up. 1 John 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Right? Again, one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard. Graham Cook. Heaven is not a storage facility and is full of the things you will not ask God for. It's full of the things that you will not believe God for. We doubt him. And the Lord was saying that as, 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 as you know, all these words come because he has to first speak to me and then they are presented to you after he does this in me or is in the process of doing it in me. And I was recognizing that I was, I was, trying, to, I was trying to make up some ground and give God an out on the answer to prayer. I was trying to, well, if I do this much, then God only has to do that much and maybe he'll be enticed to answer me. And that's not it. And that is not how we will move forward. That is not how we will operate as a church. We will believe in the fullness of God and nothing less. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 65, 24. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. He answers in full. Amen. Amen. But does it look like our preference? Right, we've talked about the difference. Expectation of God is good. Preferences of God are bad. Because <laughs> we set a preference on how he does something, what he looks like, how he moves, and how I would prefer him to do it. I have a financial burden. I would prefer if I won the $400 million lottery. So Lord, answer my financial burden with the lottery. Like, no, that's not how the Lord's going to do it. That's my preference. But then what happens when I don't win the lottery? I think God did not answer me. God did not hear me. God was not faithful toward me. I can't count on him. No, you can count on him. You just can't count on the preferences that you put around him. You've got to let him come as he comes. You've got to let him answer as he answers. Amen. It looks like what he needs it to look like. And it is perfect. Do you believe that? That it is perfect. Do we believe his answer will be perfect? Not comfortable? Not easy, but perfect. 
His answers are perfect to the things that we pray for, the things that we request. What is comfortable? What is easy? These are what make up this house of preference. Because our preferences are based around what is comfortable and what is easy. And guess what that house is built upon? That house is built upon the sand. A foundation that will not last. When the storm comes, the house will be destroyed. We are, we are building our requests. We are building our lives on a structure, around a structure that is only being built to be destroyed. That is what this house built on the sand is. It is a, it is a structure built for destruction. And is that something we want to build our lives around? Something built for destruction. We've talked about this in Sunday school. This quote of history repeats itself. How many of us have heard that? All of us, I would hope. Okay, you're alive, you've got a pulse, you've probably heard it. History repeats itself. Where in the Bible is history meant to repeat itself? Where does it say that you are meant for the same degree of glory always? You're meant to increase for a while and then return back to a previous degree of glory. Is that the, is that the scripture we read? We are made for an ever-increasing glory. History is not meant to repeat itself, but history repeats itself because the people of God continue to build upon the sand. And our preferences, and the preferences we put around God and how He would move, that is a structure built upon sand. Do we agree? That is not solid ground. And I was, I was reflecting on this question, um, this question I asked in the beginning, where in our lives are we preparing for Him to only answer in part and not in full, thinking about it all week. And not just thinking about the question, but thinking about, okay, we got to be careful with this three-letter word of why, but trying to understand, okay, Lord, you've asked this question, what are you building towards? What are you building towards? You didn't, he didn't ask it so that we would just have this question answered and then we would just move on to unrelated things. It was, a, it was a stone in the structure that he's building in our lives and in this place. So thinking about what he's building in it, and it hit me. Saturday afternoon, I'm on a, uh, a phone call with someone I've been counseling. And uh, in this time, he's revealing to us, this is the answer that the Lord gave me. I am revealing to you where you have built your houses on the sand. I am revealing to you where you have built your life upon a foundation that is not the rock and cannot be sustained and will be destroyed. And I think of two points in particular. I think of one, the one we've already discussed, having preferences on how God, how God looks, how He talks, how He answers prayers, how He encounters us, etc. And then the second one, believing in Him for part, not in full. And so I would ask this question to you. How can the Lord build the kingdom of God on the sand? Will he build the kingdom of God on sand? No, he won't. And he can't have us build our houses on it. And this is another one of those revelations that came during this conversation. The Lord, do you know, this is very elementary, but he loves you. He loves you perfectly. And he also has no desire to share you. He has no desire to share the number one spot in your heart with anyone else. He is a jealous God. And thank God for that. 
I would much rather a jealous God than an apathetic one. I want one that would pursue my heart, that he would claim it, and he would be number one in it, period. And he would not share that spot. And so when there are things in our lives that are seeking to take that spot from us, what does he do? He destroys those things. He removes those things. And sometimes it's the most painful thing. Sometimes it's the most liberating thing. Well, really, it's always the most liberating thing. But once we see through the pain, it becomes liberating, right? But sometimes it is the most painful ripping away. But he does it because he loves us. And he desires that we would build our life upon that which will last and not upon that which is only meant to be destroyed. And can you just think about that for a second, that this God loves you so much that he would prevent you, he would seek to prevent you from building your life upon the sand? He would do everything that he can to pursue you, that he would get your attention, that you would build upon the rock and not upon the sand. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Yeah, that's a vocal, that's a time, that's a question where you can answer. Your silence worries me. And then we have to take a step back, like, well, do we know who Jesus is? Right? John 3, 16, we can do all that stuff, we can start there. So you can answer, vocalize, okay? It's good. He loves us. And I have been captured by this reality that he loves us so much that he would come to lead us into better things because he does not want us to hurt. He, the Lord does not, we learn lessons the hard way. I part, in particular learn lessons the hard way, right? I shared with you last week, my sons are taking after their father and learning lessons the hard way because they can't seem to grasp that when somebody is chasing you, look at where you're going, not what's behind you. And I don't know how many times they just continue to test the strength of things like trees and cars and the house and our doors with their head. But they, they do it and they take after dad because I was one of those kids. We were playing at Darby and Carrie's house this week and uh, we, they're not paying attention. They're doing something. We look over and Kai's just smiling and he's got blood pouring down his face. He's just, it was disturbing. <laughs> It's scary. It's like, this kid is insane. And he sleeps just down the hall. Right? We, we learn, all that to say, we learn lessons the hard way, but God does not desire for us to hit bottom before he gets our attention. But in his love, he will allow us to hit bottom so that he can have our attention. But it is not in his will for us to reach these dark depths of devastation to then decide to listen to him, right? And that's why we, we, are, we are to raise a generation that their ground floor would be our ceiling. Our ending point would be their starting point because he has no desire to have to reteach them the lessons he's taught their fathers. He wants them to have seen the lesson learned in their fathers that they could grow from it, an ever-increasing glory, not a repeating one. Right? But we find this, that history repeats itself again because we build upon that which cannot sustain the structure and cannot last and is only built for destruction. But he does not want us to hurt. And, a build, and building a house on sand is guaranteed to hurt and to lead to turmoil always. It is made to be destroyed. Turn with me to Matthew 7. And we'll start in verse 24. We'll be in Matthew 7 a little bit today. 
but we'll start in verse 24. And we read this last week. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew against and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. We are meant to build houses that last, not houses that are meant for destruction. How many parents in here? Well, no, that, I, I phrased that question wrong. How many parents are in here? Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Somebody's excited about it still. It's good. There's a lot of us in here. How many of you desire to build something your children will have to rebuild when you're gone? How many of you desire for your children to have to rebuild something that you spent your entire life building? Do you want that? That would be like building a house. I'm building this great and wonderful house to give to my children, and I'm building it out of pencils and straw and duct tape. And then I will give them this beautiful house, and then they will look at it, and they will see that it is no good, and they will have to build it again. How many of us want that for our kids? Right? That is not, that is not in the working of us as parents. We desire to give them that which will last, not that which will perish, right? Right. And we are imperfect. Right? Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or, he ask, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We are imperfect. But we want better for our kids. So if we truly want better for our kids, then we must build that which lasts. We must build upon the rock and not the sand. That's how their ground floor is our ceiling. First, there must be a structure that is strong enough to be built upon. Right? There must be a structure that exists first that can handle the next layer. Not one that has to be destroyed and start all over. So we must build upon the rock a structure that can be built upon. That's the only way that our children increase from where we stopped. Where we finished the race, their race began and increased. I got to have one of these moments. We, we've been talking about this in Sunday school, and I just got to have not... The Lord doesn't convict because conviction is always tied to guilt, right? And that is not how the Lord works. But He, he does like to hit you in the back of the head sometimes. Right? Because he's a good and perfect father. Right? A swift kick to the butt is helpful. And he gave me one of those yesterday. I've got a project that I was going to do. And it's one of those projects, if I just did it and it was left alone and I just did it, 30 minutes. 45 minutes tops, I'm done. If I include a six-year-old, two, three hours, if I'm lucky. Right? But the Lord said, he, I went out there and I was like, ah, 
ah, maybe I'll just let him play inside. He's distracted. He won't notice if I just go do this by myself. And the Lord's like, if you don't do it now, you're not ever going to do it. I'm like, well, dang it. And then he also reminded me the benefit of having children. It may be inconvenient now, but someday it will be very convenient if he knows how to do these things. Because then you don't have to do it, right? Free labor. I love free labor, right? And so I'm going I'm to build up this perfect little handyman. And so we went out there, and this kid learned how to, how to set a pole, how to level it, how to use post hole diggers. I mean, as much as you can as a six-year-old, and set a pole, and he got to do a little welding, and man, he was into it. And this is one of those things, one of the blessings in, in just doing that. This is a total side note in bringing your kids along and teaching them the things that you know how to do, because I didn't learn how to do this as a six-year-old, and he's learning how to set posts as a six-year-old. And he's packing the concrete in this hole and he's so into it. He's not goofing off. He's just into it to where his whole body's into it. And he's just packing it like this. I mean, he is, he is serious about it and he did an amazing job. He got to mess around with the welder um, just holding my hand and getting the feel for it and all this cool stuff. It's like he's six. But that's what it's meant to look like. He's not meant to start learning how to do this when he's 26. It's now. I know how to do it now and he's alive. So I should be teaching him now, right? And it's the same with God. I know who I am. I know my identity that he has given me. I have been delivered. So why does my generation that I am raising up, this generation that the Lord has handed me, why do they need to learn the hard way as I learned the hard way? Why do they need to walk until they get to the deepest, darkest part in their life to finally see Jesus for who he is? That's what I had to do so that they would not have to do it. But how can they do it if I never share with them all that the Lord has done? How can they do it if I never bring them into what God is doing in me currently? Right? How? That's, that's why we kept the kids in here several Sundays ago, that they would know what we, the adults, were asking God to do. So that they would know, and this was the challenge for you last week, that you would go home and say that the Lord answered the prayers of this church that they would have testimony, that their faith would become their own now because they've encountered God for themselves now. They don't have to go off to college and have their faith become their own. It's It's become a common thing in Christian culture for our kids to leave the house and then their faith, they just, their faith has to become their own. Like, no, it doesn't. It should have been their own back here, but we didn't include them in the journey. We didn't include them in the journey All that to say, we must build upon the rock individually and corporately that they could build upon it in their own lives, that they would be starting in a new place. Can you imagine your kids at the end of your days? They've got so many years of life left ahead of them. Discovering depths of God that you did not discover. That's a beautiful thing. That I, I, I mean, we'll be living in it, right? We'll get to live in the fullness of it when we're gone. But they can discover it here on earth and establish it here on earth. What a beautiful thought that they would go and discover new things, that we wouldn't have to have this revolving door around the same teaching over and over and over again because so many have not heard it or went without it or not shared it with their kids. And so their kids have grown up not knowing it. We must build upon the rock that the, the structure that comes after can be, can, 
withstand the storm and that they can add to it. But how do we do this? Well, it's pretty obvious. Obedience to what is revealed is, is an obvious one. And, and then seeing him, again, with the preference, seeing him and loving him for who he is and not how we want him to be. Right? That would be like me shutting the doors to this church because there's not a million dollars in our account. Because I would really prefer if the Lord just did that. But that's not who he is and that's not what he's building. That's actually in contradiction to what he wants to do here, what he said. We are in the world, not of it, and he is establishing a church that is in the world, not of it. If we are not of it, we cannot be dictated and controlled by what controls the world. And guess what controls the world outside? That dollar. Is that supposed to have a grip on this place? No, obviously. So we've got to let the Lord do what He wants to do, how He wants to do it, and come as He will come. He is the God who answers in full and not in part. So I have another question, several questions to leave you with this week. Because the Lord, this, there's urgency. I hope you know that there's urgency in every word that the Lord brings here because there's really not any time to waste. Do you see any ability to waste any more time with the way our world is going right now? No. And it's not, I, I'm not asking you to look at that in a negative way because the Lord has removed the gray from our world, which is a beautiful thing. So I've said this several times, I've never seen the world so prepped to see the reality of who God really is. Never seen it so prepped. People are so ready to encounter the true God in His people. What an encouraging time to live in. But that cannot happen in your life. And if it does not happen in your life, it cannot happen here corporately. Anything we desire to see in this place must first happen where? Must happen individually, in your own hearts, in your own homes. Where have you been building in your life a house upon the sand? And then the more important question, will you allow him to tear it down? This was the question he presented to me yesterday on, the, on this phone call. He was just showing me, and the Lord speaks to me in, in imagery. And he said, I will not leave that house upon the sand and take you to build a house upon a solid rock. I will not leave that house on the sand standing because that is comfortable. That is easier. And you will return to it if I leave it standing. So what happens first before you can build a house upon the rock, he must destroy that which is built upon the sand because he loves us. He loves us. And he's a good and perfect father. So will you allow him to tear down these places in your life where you have built upon the sand? They're in every one of us. Comfort and ease are telltale signs. That doesn't mean you have to go home and sleep on a bed of rocks. It's not what I'm talking about. We get to have a level of comfort in the world that we live in, which is great. But it's, is that what dictates our world? Is that level of comfort? That is a house built upon sand. 
how easy this is supposed to be. That is a house built upon sand. The Lord never promised any of these things. We talked about Abraham and Isaac this morning in Sunday school and the sacrifice of Isaac and what part of that story was comfortable. Not a, not a bit of it as he laid his own son upon the altar to slay. But tell me, do the nations, it says nations will come, kings of people will come from this child. Does that happen if he's disobedient and does what is comfortable? I don't believe it does. There are consequences to to our disobedience, just as there is provision and blessing in our obedience. So I would ask you again, where in your life have you been building upon the sand and will you allow him to tear it down? Because he cannot build something new that will last for the generations yet to come that they could build upon it in your own story until that house built on the sand is torn down. Are you following me this morning? The Lord is desiring to do a new thing in this place, but before he can fully do a new thing, he has to lay the foundation that will stand, that will last, the test of time. Would you agree? So, where in our story have we built upon the sand and can God tear it down? In this, in this time of worship to follow, will you give him those areas? Even the ones that you don't know. Will you sit in this place of yes, you can have them that when they're revealed, they're already given to him, right? When they're, when they're revealed and he shows you and he leads you to this place where you recognize that as he did for me in the preferences, I was praying to God with preferences. Or I was, I was trying to figure out a way so that he only would answer in part because I only believed that he would answer in part. Those were houses built upon the sand. And he revealed that to me as he was revealed it to us. So he wanted it destroyed. And he's currently destroying it. It's not destroyed in all aspects of my life. But he has permission to completely and totally destroy it. Will you give him that permission this morning? Will you allow him to do what he desires for you that you would not hurt? You would not have to go to this place of deep, deep hurt because you've hit rock bottom. Will you allow him to now change the story before it gets too painful? Because he will destroy that house no matter what, because he will not share you. He will not share you. He is a jealous God. So will you allow him to tear down this house built upon sand? Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.